Amen. We serve a great Father. A good, good God. He loved us enough that while we were sinners, while we were his enemy, he sent his only begotten son to come to this earth to live a perfect life and then to be crucified the most cruelest and vilest forms of death. All to pay the price that you and I owe. Our sin, we owe death. We owe or owed separation from God. But because of his love for us and a relationship for us, he sent his son who gave his life so that we could have life. But then on that third day, victoriously, he came out of the grave and he defeated death. And today we are able to be in this room worshiping and celebrating a risen Lord and a risen Savior, one who is still active, but ones whose job for restoration was completed on that cross and in that grave. Amen. And this morning as we continue our journey from the resurrection to Pentecost, I want us to look at Jesus sees the need. All of us have a need in our life. Some have a need for salvation and Jesus meets us right where we are. We don't have to prepare ourselves. We don't have to get all the soap and water out and scrub ourselves clean before we come to the Father. He meets us where we are and saves us and he does the cleansing work. Amen. But after that, we still have needs. And we have a Jesus who sees our needs and one who wants to come to where we are. We see in this repetition throughout this whole series of Jesus meeting us where we are. I'm so grateful because as my flesh and in myself, I don't run to Jesus. We have a tendency of running the other way. But Jesus always sees our need and he comes right to where we are. And he speaks to us. Amen. This morning I'm going to ask that you take your Bibles with me and turn to the gospel according to John chapter 21. Might be a familiar story. We've looked at this passage before, but we're going to look at it a little different today. It still says the same thing. That's one thing I, I love about God's word. It's alive and it's active. You know, God's word says the same thing today that God's word said yesterday and the day before. And the same thing it's going to say throughout all of eternity. But it is alive and it meets us where we are and it's active and sometimes its application fits us different. I know you've all been there where I've been before where you're reading a verse that you've probably read a million times before. And you said, I ain't never seen that before. Has that ever happened to you? It's the same thing you've read. Same thing that's been preached to you. If you're like some of us, you've been into church from the, the, what do they call it, from the cradle to the grave, basically. I was in church nine months before I was born. But yet these things still come alive. What a, a beautiful picture of God portraying himself. That's what his word is. Uh, we had the Toledo Bend Ministry Fishing Tournament for the little kids. And they always have this waymaster. Her name is Kate Arnold. 
excuse me, Cat Arnold, and she comes and gives a devotion, and I like it. She says, do you know what the Bible is? How many of you have got Bible on the side or on the front? What are the letters there? It's B-I-B-L-E. She says it's basic instructions before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E. We look at this, though, sometimes, and I don't always want to, as a rule book. Have you ever heard any someone, oh, y'all got Christianity, that's just a bunch of rules. All through this is a love letter to us. It's God describing himself to us. So I want to encourage you today as we go and we read in the scripture in just a moment, and as you spend time reading it, go to it looking for who God is as he portrays himself. Yes, he gives us some guidelines in here because he knows what's best for us, but it all describes who he is. And I want us to look today at that Jesus sees the need. Would you stand with me as we read these verses? John chapter 21. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter, the son called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll come with you also. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and cast himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place and fish on it and bread. So Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, him, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to them, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. Therefore this saying went out among the brothers that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come, what is it to you? This is a disciple who is bearing witness to these things and wrote these things, and we know that his witness is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were not written on one after the other, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I thank you that you would speak to us today. Father, we're here to hear. Would you allow our hearts to be softened to Holy Spirit and our ears opened? Lord God, that we may hear from you this morning. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. Question for you this morning. Have any of you ever had a time in your life where something happened and you felt that you wasn't worthy to be in the presence of Jesus? Simon Peter did that very thing when Jesus told him that, Simon, you're going to deny me. This was right before the crucifixion. You remember around that supper table. He said, you're going to deny me. And Simon, oh, no. Father, even if I have to die, Lord, I will die with you. But it wasn't long after that he denied him three times. And then the last time he really got ugly about it. But you see, Jesus sees our need. Jesus knows where we are when we walk. Jesus knows that we're flesh. That we have a tendency to drift away. A tendency to sin. But he always is there ready to meet us. Let me tell you what a great God he is. The first thing I want us to see from this passage today is that Jesus supersedes the natural realm. This is the God who we worship. This is the Jesus that we can call on to come and to be with us. Jesus supersedes the natural realm of this world. He created it. He formed it. It's his. He's in control of it. Well, where do we see that in Scripture? If you look there in that first verse, it says, After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Now, where is the Sea of Tiberias? The Sea of Tiberias is the same thing that we would call the Sea of Galilee. 
Around the end of the first or second century, it became known as the Sea of Tiberias because on the northwestern shore there was a town called Tiberias that they named after the second Roman emperor, Tiberius. So it just kind of where the name changed, just like, you know, we used to have another little town right in this area. I slip in my mind right now, and now we're called Stanley. Things change over time. So this is the Sea of Tiberias, but it says he manifested himself you see Jesus in the flesh has died on the cross he has gone into the tomb he's resurrected out a risen Lord and Savior he now can manifest himself he can allow himself to be seen or not seen we've seen him show up in rooms where the doors were locked We've seen him show up with men just walking down the road and was disguised to where they didn't even know it was him until he began to talk and their hearts burned. He can manifest himself. He's above the natural realm. None of us can do that. It's not like the uh, Harry Potter movie when they're going to Hogwarts and they're at that train station and they run into the brick column and they just go in it. If any of us were to do that and run toward this brick wall, we're all going to have a little bruise on our forehead. But the God that we serve is above the natural realm of things. He can manifest himself. We also see there at verse 5. So Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. Now what have we talked about before with Jesus' questions? Does Jesus ever ask a question he doesn't already know the answer to? No. You know, I've been through a time when I had to go through a, a deposition. I know, I think you had yours this week. Well, what's the purpose of a, definition, a, a deposition? Them lawyers want to ask you questions sitting around a table before they put you up in front of a jury. So when they ask you the question again, they know how you're going to answer to that. Jesus never asks a question he doesn't already know. Now, here's where Jesus supersedes the natural realm. Jesus was not in the boat with these guys. He had not been out there all night. But he already knew that they didn't have any fish. You know what that means for us? Jesus doesn't have to be right here with us to already know about us. Holy Spirit's here with us. But Jesus knows where we are. When we go to him in prayer, we're not going to him to surprise him with any information. He already knows this. And also look at verse 6. And he's head to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and they were not able to haul it in because of a great number of fish. And I'll tell you, be honest with you, I wish Jesus was with me yesterday. Waylon and I go to his fishing tournament. He caught nothing. I said, come on, buddy. It's going to be okay. Let's go out on the lake. We didn't catch nothing either. And Jesus would have told me which side to throw it on. But what did happen? It wasn't just throw your net on the other side of the boat. Jesus sent those fish. Jesus is in control of our life. He is in control of our world. He supersedes this natural realm. He sent them such a great fish. said 153. Oh, my little side note, I guess I'm glad Jesus wasn't with me. 
Because if I caught 153 fish, the game warden probably would have come after me and we wouldn't have been able to keep them. But really, Jesus is so great. He knows where we are. He sees where we are. And he can transcend the natural realm to come right to us and to minister to us and to heal us. Not only does Jesus supersede the natural realm, but Jesus supplies the needed reminding. Jesus supplies the needed reminding. In our life, in my life, there are many times that I need to be reminded of things. And Jesus provides a reminded needing to bring us to a point of confession and to bring us back to him Look at verse 9. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place and fish on it and bread. Let me pause there. This is all setting up the scenario to where we're over there at verses 15 through 19, where Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? Peter, yes, do you love me? Why is that setting this up? Well, Jesus needed to remind Peter where he was because when Peter denied Jesus we read in the Bible that he was standing around a charcoal fire no words or irrelevant in God this charcoal fire being repeated is there for a reason just by a show of hands how many of you have ever cooked anything or been next to a charcoal fire okay if I was to go in the back room and you didn't see anything I lit a charcoal fire how long would it be before you knew that I had a charcoal fire back there. You smell it. You remember. Well, can you imagine that Peter has now jumped out of the water? He's come running up, and what's the first thing? Because a charcoal fire smells. He walked onto the beach. Can you smell it with him this morning? Imagine here he is standing. Charcoal fire, there's Jesus. Do you believe he remembered? You think he flashed back to when he denied the Lord three times? Not only that, we also see at verse 13 that Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. Here we are again. What a reminder of who God is. Fish and bread. The story of the loaves and the fish. Jesus has fed them more than once this fish and bread. He's reminding them and then he gets for Peter. He's got his attention. I'm sure he is just focused directly on Jesus. And look there at verse 15. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon Son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my lambs. Now look at the very next verse, 16. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. In verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. 
And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Church, I know y'all have heard this before, but I believe we need to hear it again today. There is nothing that we can do that will ever separate us from the love of God. He loves us so much. And once we're a believer, we're in his hand. And Jesus says, you're in my hand and my hand's in the Father's hand. He's there with us all the time. But it's more than that we're seeing right here. Because here's one of Jesus' own disciples that was there going to stand up for him no matter what at the cross. And yet, just within moments, he's denying him. How many times? Not just once. Not just twice. But three times. So I believe there is a significance here that it says Jesus asked him. Jesus asked him a second time. Jesus asked him a third time. He's reminding him, here's your charcoal fire. And then he's coming back at him. And he's restoring threefold. But listen to this. What does he tell him on the first one? Tend my lambs. He needs to tend to the needs of the church. Church is is beginning to be formed and built. There's a Christian community. Jesus is saying, Peter, you are of value. You are of responsibility. I love you. Yes, you denied me. But you're still useful. I forgive you. He's saying, tend to the Christian community. Then the second time it tells him to shepherd my sheep. To watch over those in his care. You know the sheep. Oftentimes are, are represented as the dumb animals. You know one goes they're all going to go. One went off the cliff they're probably all going to go off the cliff. They all have a tendency of following. And what do sheep love to do but go astray? What does God's children love to do but go astray? He's saying, I'm restoring you not only to tend to the needs of the Christian community, but Peter, you need to shepherd. You, the one who have denied me, have now forgiven. I need you to lead my people. Lead my sheep. And then he tells him there, verse 17, to tend to my sheep. Not only now we've gone from just the Christian community, the lambs, down to the sheep, the local group there. Not only shepherd leaders, but tend to them. Take care of them. Look after them. Can you imagine what this means to Peter? You know, Jesus tells us the same thing. I love you. You still have purpose. Come to me and for. In repentance, I will forgive you, and we still have a reason for being his. See, Jesus supersedes the natural realm. He he supplies the need, but Jesus summons the newly restored. He's just restored Peter back. Let's look at verse 19. He says, now this he said, signifying about what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. That's what Jesus tells us, the invitation, follow me. 
I've bought you. I've restored you. You have responsibility. I'm going to love on you. Now I need you to come follow me. Jesus doesn't just restore a dead log. He restores the love of his life. That's you and I. And he does it for a purpose. He wants us to follow him. He summons us to come after him. To come and to be a disciple. I like how he says it here in verse 22. Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. What's he saying? Very important, I believe, for us right here. Don't worry about anybody else around you. You follow me. You know, if we look at this world, it would be very easy to drift away. Well, what about him? Well, look at how grand his life is, God. That, you're not doing that for me. Oh, poor pitiful me. Or maybe on the other hand, we would say, look at his life and look at how good mine is. We begin to boast. Jesus is saying, don't look here. Look here. You follow me. What is it to you what I do in anybody else's life? Kind of like those horses down in New Orleans. They have blinders where all they can see is right in front of them. You follow me and not worry about anyone else. You see, church, regardless today where you are in your walk of life, Jesus sees you. Jesus knows exactly where you are. And not only that, but he supersedes anything that will get him from coming to you. He is greater and bigger than anything going on in your life today. See, he supersedes that natural realm. But I do believe at times he brings to our mind, he uses things in life to remind us of who we are and where we are. And to remind us of our need for him. And then once he restores us. He says follow me. Focus. Where are you today? Would you bow your heads this morning? Father God, I'm so thankful that, Lord, you see us. Your son sees us right where we are. Father, it doesn't matter if we're in the White House. doesn't matter if we're in some mansion. It doesn't matter if we're lying in a pile of dirt under a tree because we have nowhere else to go. Lord, you see us, you love us, and you pursue after us. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, if there is someone in this room who has never surrendered control of their life over to you. Father, they've never come to you in humility, in confession and repentance. And faith that your son is the only way. 
that, Lord, today would be the day that would happen. Father, that we would be able to rejoice and to celebrate with them. Father, if there's someone here today, Lord, maybe this message, Lord, was for them. They know they're a believer. Just like Peter was a disciple. But Father, in their heart, maybe they feel they've done something that's unworthy. Father, would you allow them right now to know that you still love them, that they're still yours. Father, maybe you're reminding them of something they need to confess before you this morning. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would move. There would be freedom. Father, there would be confession and restoration. So that, Father, when we go out these doors, we will be following you this morning. Father, there may be some here out of obedience, Lord, that need to come and join and become fellowship with our church by joining in membership. Father, I just pray that you would move in a mighty way these next few moments. Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen.